Welcome, friends, to the Life on Purpose podcast. This week, we will be wrapping up our 2021 season, and I just want to thank you so much for all of your support in helping to make this podcast a success. In this last year, we've reached 11 countries and upped our listenership to over 65% than it was last year. So thank you so much for helping to spread the word and encouragement to those around you. I'm also excited for the 2022 year with new guests and also a new format that will include regular conversations with my children and their perspective on some of these topics that we are covering on a regular basis. So I look forward to your uh, continued support and feedback on this podcast, and I hope you have a wonderful and blessed holiday season. We will be back here in the new year with new episodes starting on January 5th, and I look forward to seeing you then. Well, this morning on the Life on Purpose podcast, I have the privilege of interviewing Amanda Cunningham. Amanda is the founder of the Glory Days Company, which is a company that provides organizational tools for parents and caregivers of special needs children. So welcome, Amanda. I'm so glad to have you this morning. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. I, I'm just so excited about this planner and all of that. But before I get ahead of myself, which I typically do with excitement, um, I would love for you to just share a little bit of your story and background and what led you here. Yeah, of course. Well, as you said, my name is Amanda Cunningham. I live in North Central West Virginia with my husband and my three children. Um, I have an eight-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. When my two-year-old was, well, sorry, when my four-year-old was born on May 2nd, 2017, she surprised us with a birth diagnosis of trisomy 21, which is Down syndrome. And it was quite a shock. It was unexpected and our world turned upside down. So the Glory Days Co. was created out of a personal need and I, I needed something that I couldn't find, an organizational tool to help me manage my new role as a parent raising a child with a disability. And um, yeah, it just has evolved into a business over the past four years. And I created a product for myself that in turn other people needed. And we've just been you know, making it available to mothers and, and parents and caregivers throughout the world now. I think that that is so incredible, Amanda. So can we talk a little bit about this planner? So what would you say is the biggest um, difference between this planner and just your everyday planner that, you know, someone would be more prone to just go pick up? Okay. Well, the Glory Days daily planner was very intentionally made. The designs in it, I thought through them um, in terms of what would I be looking for? What was I looking for? What did I need to feel like I had a grasp on the responsibilities in the day to day marketplace to find something that combined, you know, ongoing appointments, not just your normal, you know, once a month appointment, I'm talking daily appointments with, with heavy hitters, like cardiologists, genetics, things of that nature. And then ongoing early intervention programs. I couldn't find anything that would help me track that amount of appointments and help me track implementing the therapy that the providers we were seeing on a daily basis were teaching me how to do with my daughter at the time. So to, to explain that a little bit better, when Rory was born, seven days later, we were home and we met with an early intervention um, program called Birth to Three. It's a free program that our state provides. Um, if you have a developmental delay or a diagnosis, you qualify for it. It's not income-based mm -hmm. and your child is enrolled into it for three years. 
we would have up to six, seven providers in our home um, four to five days a week from seven days old until she was three years old. And their responsibility was to teach me in 30 minutes or an hour how to implement physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech, child development, nutrition, all of the things to help Aurora um, meet her developmental goals. And as you can imagine, I was a new mother. I already had a son who was three year old, three years old at the time and had just received a life changing diagnosis of my child. And then I was being inundated with this information and I needed something to help me gather my responsibilities in one place. And so when I couldn't find it, I started to create pages that would help me do that in a notebook and on, and on the windows of my living room wall. And what makes us different is our therapy tracking pages and the intentionality of our daily pages with the appointment reminders, the therapy um, reminders, self-care check-in, things that a caregiver really needs to be reminded on, reminded of on a daily basis. Mm, I love that. And I, I love that you're sharing that because for those of us who are, are not uh, aware, like myself, and what that actually entails, I mean, you hear that there's obviously many more layers to just your, your average day, but hearing you say that in just the condensed intense training for that, in addition to your just normal everyday tasks and being a mom to a three-year-old, you know, it's crazy. That's it's crazy. And so I love that you um, created this. I, I, I love when um, women are able to take what is really could be a struggle for them and really um, make it into something beautiful and helpful for somebody else. And that's really what this, you know, um, podcast and uh, mission is all about. So I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, you know, prior to having Rory, you were a career woman. Yes. Okay. So you were, you were a working mom with your, with your then three-year-old. Yes. Okay. And then I'm assuming you just had plans for whether you just did daycare before and heading back to work. And so, I mean, obviously your roles, your role has shifted, you know, tenfold, not only just with this diagnosis, but also, you know, now you're entrepreneur here and, and create a creator of this amazing planner and all of that. So how is your just, you know, that's a whole other thing for women, I think just in general, that shift in, um, your identity of how you saw yourself. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, the identity shift was massive. Um, it was a complete tearing down of everything I identified myself by, um, how I quantified my worth, um, how I quantified my, my value in our home and in the world, you know, it was just completely stripped away in seconds. Um, and, and it also made me realize that it wasn't good the way that I, I valued myself and subconsciously how I valued the people and placed valued on, on the people around me. Rory taught me so much and, and showed me so much about my, um, my thought process on that in those years after her birth. So I was a public relations coordinator for Waste Management of West Virginia. So I had a supervisor role Um, where I would travel throughout the state to multiple sites and take care of their government affairs, um, public relations, community interactions, things of that nature. And I did that for eight years. Um, I was in PR for 10 years altogether before leaving the workforce. And so I was very proud of my career. I was proud of my education and my career and 
after I had Owen, it was, of course, that first child is such a shock also to the system. You're having to learn how to balance new responsibilities, new identities as a mother. Um, went to have my second child. I was like, okay, I got this. Like we have the babysitter, we have the daycare situation in place. I know how to balance my career and raise a child. My husband and I know our roles, like everything's good. So then when Rory arrived with the diagnosis and it was a whole new world, um, it was like going through that stripping down all over again, but in a much more intense way. And it was, it was a challenge for sure. It was a challenge to go from feeling very valuable to like, I caused, um, a problem in our day-to-day -day life. You know, I, I carried this child. I didn't know that she had a disability. And even though it's not a logical thought, even though it's not a fair thought or even a real thought, I felt responsible for her having Down syndrome and the shift to our life. And not only did I feel that, but then I felt responsible for the financial burden of leaving my career to take care of her. So it was a very hard period of time. Right. Well, I love your vulnerability in sharing that, because I think a lot of women struggle with just the homework um, aspect, but I do think that there's a whole other layer. I can speak for myself here as well. When you have a, a tragedy or something that really shifts your uh, focus and perspective. Um, and so it really changes the trajectory of, of your life. And, and it's not to say that, um, a shaming to career women or anybody who, who goes no. back to that. But in the same token, it is, it is amazing. The pressure that we put on ourselves as women, as uh, wives, as moms. And like you had pointed out, you know, there's a guilt involved, whether it's valid or not, we carry it. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I appreciate you being honest about that because I'm sure that there's moms listening that have felt that same way. And, and it is a valid struggle and one that I think should be talked about. And, um, you know, the more things like that are, are out in the open, I think it's, it's healing because you know that you're not alone, you know, and, um, and it's okay for your perspective and your priorities to change at times. And, and, it, and it may round back to something else, but in the beginning, you know, all of those feelings, I think are just completely valid, but difficult. Yeah, it was definitely a difficult transition. Um, but one that I'm now that I'm on the other side of, obviously, you know, when you're in the thick of that transition, it's not something you would want to choose for yourself. Um, but now that I'm on the other side of it, I'm so much more refined. Um, the what do I identify, you know, what I want our legacy to be as a family, what my purpose is and my role in day-to-day -day life and society and, and our family structure is, is different now. And I think it, for me, for my, my definition of it, it has more value. It has, um, it has more stability than it did before. Sure. Well, as you are saying how, you know, Rory's birth was an undiagnosed and something that you and your husband weren't expecting as well, I'm sure that was the case when you were bringing her home and you're bringing her out into your family and community. And, you know, I know when my uh, firstborn son had passed away, one of the hardest things I think uh, for me was being around people and them not really knowing what to say. 
oh, and those yeah. awkward conversations. And I'm sure you can relate. And so I wanted to just talk a little bit about that. Um, grief is one thing when you lose a child, but you know, when your child has a disability, that's a whole other, um, animal. And so I would love for you to talk a little bit about just two to three suggestions. I, I think that, and again, no shame. And for people who sometimes people just feel like they, they want to say something, of course, but sometimes it's, it's helpful to know what is helpful to say and what is helpful to not say. So I know you had given a couple of suggestions of what, you know, people can do and say coming alongside families that have somebody with um, a disability or something. So what would you encourage first off is something that would be maybe not helpful that we, that, you know, maybe somebody could avoid. Yeah. I'm sorry. I might cough. I had laryngitis last week. No, Um, you're okay. But anyway, um, I'm sorry that was something that was really hard for me. I mean, even our medical providers kept apologizing over and over Mm. again that she had down syndrome, which when you're trying to acclimate to that news and you have people of authority apologizing to you, that makes it seem severe and scary. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then, um, avoidance or dropping out of somebody's life because something's too heavy. Don't do that come alongside them. Um, don't drop out, like come, come alongside of them in that struggle and that difficulty. I think that that was really hard. Like not only was my life changing because Rory came into it, but all of my social connections, you know, majority of my social connections changed because I left the workforce. So my colleagues and I no longer had interactions. And then there was some really close friends that couldn't really, um, handle watching me walk through that transition. They didn't know what to do. So they kind of just stepped away. Um, so it's like, things that didn't have to change changed. And so I would urge you that if you're witnessing somebody lose a child, receive a diagnosis of any kind, if it be cancer or disability, whatever, um, try to keep normalcy for them as much as possible. Because the thing that you can't control is what's happening in their interpersonal life with their child or their loved one. Um, But what you can control is you, you being stable for them. So not disappearing. Um, The third one I would suggest is let them lead the conversation. Um, Obviously, if you feel like depression is coming into the picture, you can prompt them to discuss that. If it's becoming an unsafe situation, you can also prompt other people to join you in that conversation. But don't poke and prod to always talk about that specific topic. Um, One of the things that really helped me, I have a very close friend. Her name's Brett. And she talked to me in the beginning, she came to the hospital when Rory was born, but when we went home, it was, that was it. Unless I brought it up, you know, she was just talking about everyday life, normal things, nothing had changed in our interactions. And it was like breathing sometimes to just have somebody come in and talk to me about the weather and their work day and not be sitting in what I was discussing all day long with providers. So those would be my three suggestions early on. Um, as things evolve and, and that family becomes more comfortable in the role they've been called to, just like I said, treat them like normal. Ask them to come for play dates, um, ask them to go to dinner, ask them if you can help with their child, things of that nature. Right. I think that you really hit on something powerful there, Amanda. And that is when you do have the ability. And like you said, it takes time. You're acclimating, you're getting used yeah. to the situation yourself. But when you're in that space, Um, it is so healing also for the person who is actually dealing directly with the issue, whether it's grief or like you said, a diagnosis or whatever to 
have that normalcy and to also be able to pour out on other people and have them accept it instead of being like, oh, well, no, you've got too much going on. You know, I, I, I think that people do that out of a place of love, but, but actually what happens is I feel like it, it leaves that other person feeling a little disqualified from what they can still offer and what their child can still offer. And so I love that you kind of point that out because I think it is really an important message to share. And I don't think, and as you know, it's always an intentional thing in a hurtful way. I think they think that they're doing you a favor, of course. but it really sometimes does just the opposite. And I think, like you said, it's, it's lovely to talk about something as basic as the weather. <laughs> when you have so many heavier issues going on, it's nice to just talk about the basics. Yeah. To have that normal moment when nothing's normal. Yeah. Right. I love that. Have that normal moment when nothing else is normal. Well, Amanda, I know that October is national down syndrome month. Um, you and your husband are very committed to raising awareness about the needs of the down syndrome community. Um, so tell us a little bit about this and what can uh, listeners do to participate, help out and really get involved. Of course. So one in 700 pregnancies will result in the birth or diagnosis of a child with Down syndrome. So the population is there where we are, you know, normal families out in the world, raising wonderful, joyful children and bringing advocacy and awareness to this population is near and dear to my heart because Rory is going to be an adult someday in our society. And I want her to have an inclusive experience in the world. Some of the ways that we do that in our day to day is we enroll her in all the things, you know, she goes mm -hmm. to soccer, she goes to dance, it might look a little bit different, but we show up for it and we uh, make sure that the community is aware of her presence and that she's participating. Um, we educate her peers in the classroom with with books and like note cards about Down syndrome so that their parents are aware that Rory's in the classroom and what that looks like for their child's experience. Um, and then on a larger scale with the glory days, we advocate for inclusive work environments. And we do that with our partnerships um, with work able for our packaging of our planners. So provides a $10 an hour job to an individual at work able. Um, this is an organization that supports individuals, adults and teens with physical or intellectual disabilities. Um, mm -hmm. Trying to find job placement for individuals with disabilities is a very challenging task. A lot of the times when our children graduate from high school, um, they somewhat fall off a social cliff where they don't have the opportunity to necessarily go to a traditional college, live independently. There's not very many community groups that offer them space. So being an entity that's focused on creating a space for this population is really important to me. Mm. That's wonderful. I, you know, you don't really think about that. You don't really think about that, but what a great resource, um, an opportunity for them to have, you know, beyond those high school years. I mean, that's a, that's a short period in a child's life. It doesn't seem like it at the time, but it is. And then, you know, you, you're talking about their, their adult life and, and what that's going to look like for them. So I love that. That's a, so it was called able work. Able is our packaging okay. partner. Um, and they're an organization in our local community and there's replicas of it all over the U.S., but they're a local organization and they provide a safe work environment for adults and teens with intellectual and physical disabilities and they package our planners. That's awesome. Now, is WorkAble a place where people could give donations or is there any other, do you have any favorite organizations where it would really benefit this community? Yeah, of course. So 
we have the Glory Days Foundation, so you can always check us out. Um, and what the Glory Days Foundation does is we raise funds to provide resources to families at the time of diagnosis. Um, so all the funds are directed to sending support to hospitals, therapy centers, similar nonprofits, things of that nature that can connect parents to what they need to do this job well. Um, mm. The DSDN, Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network, they were my life draft after I had Rory. They are a community of mothers. You get placed into a birth group um, based on your child's age so that you can have a sense of community with people who are walk walking a similar path. Um, obviously, through word of mouth, you're connected to resources within that community. So providing support to them is really important. Um, you can look for organizations like WorkAble. They might have a different name in your community. But yes, sure. if there's an organization that focuses on providing job placement or higher education, that's a great opportunity um, to donate. Okay. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And I, I you know, the prayer always is that just one woman listening today, it would reach her in her time of, you know, um, struggle or fear or whatever it is, and just give her a little bit of an ease there and, and know that she's not alone. And, um, and there's resources like this that, and, and, um, these planners and all kinds of wonderful things that people like you are creating to, to make it a little bit easier. So thank you so much, Amanda. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to share with your community. Well, is there anywhere where um, people can find you? Do you have any other products coming up? Um, how can people learn more about you and what you're doing? You can, um, for the day-to-day, -day, follow us on Instagram at the Glory Days Co. That's the Glory Days Co. We actually have our launch day tomorrow, October 20th at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So you can go back if this is going to air after and check out what that looked like through our Instagram account. And then if you'd like to shop our 2022 product line, you can do that on the glorydaysco.com. And we have the Glory Days Daily Planner, and then we have a journal, um, multiple journals. We have therapy tracking journal, medication journal, gratitude dreaming journal, and then we have a sticky pads to help you um, track therapy implementation, lesson plans, things of that nature. It's called a victory plan. Wow. That's amazing. That's so awesome, Amanda. Well, thank, thank you, you so much. Uh, it's a pleasure talking to you. Um, I've learned actually a lot myself in this conversation and I, and I just think it's a, it's just an amazing thing that you're doing and taking, you know, something that you had really personal struggle for you and your family and offering something wonderful out of it for, you know, the masses to really help them along the way. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, that's it for us today. Thank you again for tuning in and we will see you in the new year starting on January 5th with new episodes. In the meantime, don't forget to live your life on purpose. Have a very Merry Christmas and a happy and healthy new year. We'll talk to you then.